Good morning. Hello, everyone. Boy, am I glad to see everybody here this morning. It's gorgeous outside. Anybody else work hard yesterday? Anybody else dig posts, hole, holes for their posts in their yard? No? It was just us? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we're glad we're here. We're going to have all you guys come on in. And we're going to get started in worshiping. So let me have you stand, and we will begin to worship. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for your healing. Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would leave. In Jesus' name, I pray for a breakthrough. What happened today? I pray miracles over your life. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I speak the name of all of Yeah. 
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so very much for gathering us together as your church. We thank you for this opportunity that we can come together and worship your holy name. Father, I pray that you will be pleased with our worship. Father, I pray that we will be encouraged by our time together. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us through this week. Thank you for being with us each and every day. Father, it's been a difficult week as we heard the news, Lord, of the school shooting. Father, we pray for that school. We pray for those parents. We pray for those families that have suffered such loss this week. Father, we pray that you would drop close to them and help them through this time. Father, you said to us that in this world we will have trouble, but take heart. You have overcome the world, and we stand on that hope today. And Father, we know that you are there with those that are suffering. And Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, we think of those people, men and women, who gave their lives so that we could live freely. Father, we thank you for them. And Lord, we know that there are families, there are friends, there are people who um, suffered incredible loss. But Lord, we pray that you'll drop near to them and help them during this time. And again, we thank you for those who have sacrificed so much for us. And Father, we think about the sacrifice that you made for us in sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and live a life that is in will to, your, to you. And we thank you for that. We do not have to die because of our sins, and that's because of Jesus Christ. And how I pray that each and everyone here today will know the incredible love that you have for us. Father, I just pray, Lord, that as we worship you today, as we open up your word, that you will open up our hearts and our lives to your message for us today. Drop near to those that are hurting, those who are struggling right now. Touch those that are sick, Father. Bring them health. And Lord, we just thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Take a few minutes and greet those around you.
Good morning. Howdy. Got some got a lively bunch today. It's good to hear. Just got a few announcements to get through today and uh, we'll get back to worshiping. Um, if we could have our visitors to fill out the connection card, we should have um, and please put that in the offering plate if you're able to do that. The offering is going to be coming up here pretty soon. Um, this Friday night, young adults are going to be invited to the church at 6.30 p.m. That'll be for dinner and games. Um, the uh, youth are looking for some help. We, we got camp coming up this very weekend, this next weekend, uh, Friday through Monday at Golden Bell. We're really excited, but some, some of our guys need help to get there. Uh, it is 245 for each team to go, so... Uh, if you uh, feel led to help with that at all, if you can help sponsor a team, that would be huge. Whether it's partial or all of one to go, uh, come find me after the service. That would be great to help out with with the youth going. Um, and today we want to definitely acknowledge Memorial Day. Uh, if we could have those veterans that are part of our service, please to stand. We want to honor you. We want to give you guys some applause. Please stand if you're a part of any any of the service. Thank you. Give them a round of applause. Yes. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you. Uh, we also want to just acknowledge and be mindful of those that have gone before us, servicemen or not, uh, during this Memorial Day time. Uh, now I will go ahead and read our scripture for today. It's out of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, if you want to follow along. That's Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll continue our time in worship together.
sit at your feet. No matter what kind of week we've had, Jesus, you're ready for us. Lord, I thank you for meeting us here this morning, for waking us up and putting breath in our lungs again. You have purpose for each of us today. Lord, I pray that as we continue 
through our service that we planned for you this morning, Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit will come in and flood this place. Flood each of us, Jesus. Let us hear your voice this morning. Let us focus our hearts and our minds on you and what you want to do in and through us. Lord, we need you. It's pointless without you being here. And we really need you to be here this morning, Jesus. There's a lot going on in this world. But Lord, we know you're in control. None of it surprises you, and you're ready. So Lord, we give you this morning, and we give you our hearts, just where we're at. Will you take it and do what you will with it? Line us up with your heart, Lord. And let us just wait on your spirit to be here. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all my inmost being. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen? God has blessed us in uh, so many ways. And on this weekend in particular, I'm glad for the freedom to gather and worship as God would have us worship him. Amen? We're going to receive the morning tithes and offerings in just a moment. And uh, I wanted to say thank you to Joel Garcia, I listened to his message last night finally, great message last week, and appreciate his ministry here, and I know you do too. I'm going to be coming back to Ephesians chapter 4 and preaching today, the second part of a two-part message, and uh, as the offering uh, plates go by, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, we'll come back to that letter written by the Apostle Paul. In that passage that we'll come back to, uh, the church is described as the body of Christ. The church is described in a number of ways in the New Testament, but I think that's the most beautiful. Don't just let that go by you. We are the body of Christ. There's an old song that I ask Lori and our friends to sing for us. Before the message today, it will be familiar to a few of you old-timers, and you youngins, I think, will appreciate uh, the song as well. Let's allow it to be an opportunity to continue to worship, and also the beginning of a painting will paint, a picture will paint of who we are as this church today. God, thank you for all the ways that you've blessed us, including materially. And God, we give back to you a portion of what you've blessed us with in thanksgiving. We do that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you give.
God help us to live beautiful lives for Him. Amen? The promises of God are like pine trees in the Rocky Mountains of Scripture. Unbending. Perennial. There's one other word that I can't remember right now. 
In the Wednesday prayer meeting this past week, we remembered the promises of God in Romans 8 in light of this tragedy in Uvalde, Texas, that the glory that one day will be revealed will not be worth comparing to the suffering that we experience in this life. That in the meantime, when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit himself prays for us with words that can't be uttered. That the Lord Jesus, who knows what it is to suffer, who lived this life, is praying for us even now. That God is always working for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That if God is for us, who can be against us? That absolutely nothing could separate us from the love of God. We need to stand on those promises in these days. I was remembering Wednesday night, uh, the Sunday after 9-11. When we gathered in a sanctuary just north of Washington, D.C., we stood and sang that hymn. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. And he is. He's with us today. Amen. Praise be to his name. The message today may not appear to be appropriate for a Sunday like this, but it really is. I hope that you'll see that as we come to the end of it. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to come back to... uh... There it is, the second part of this message, unity and maturity in the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, let's read the the same passage we did two weeks ago, beginning at verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions, the incarnation. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That, my friends, is a blueprint for a strong, healthy, and growing church. 
I want to be one of those, don't you? Two weeks ago, we focused on unity from this passage and the importance of it in the church. It's what Jesus prayed for on that night before the cross. And the reality is that it isn't, first of all, something we work up or create, but it's a reality in the Spirit, in Christ, that we're born again into, and then make every effort to preserve, first of all, by being completely humble. I'm very proud of my humility. I don't know about you. Be completely humble. Be gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. I borrowed some commentaries from a couple of my pastor friends because I didn't have any on uh, the book of Ephesians, and from one of those I read this, and I think it's right on. Each of those four virtues depends upon getting self out of the center, and that is what community, community is all about and dependent on. That is also what makes for peace. Make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Within community, every member must be willing to give up their own self-interest for the common good. As long as my feelings or my prestige or my interest are the things that matter most, there can be no peace or unity. But humble, gentle, patient, loving people have mastered the my and are committed to the our. Amen? I believe that's true. One of the significant results of that saving, sanctifying, cleansing change that God makes in our hearts that Joel preached about last week is an increasing Awareness of and interest in the needs of others over my own. Well, let's continue through this passage this morning and add to the importance of unity, the importance of maturity in the body of Christ, and the goal and importance of both of those for the church. I'm going to pick up at verse 7. The Apostle Paul says, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace, I love that word. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Praise God. Grace given to us by Christ himself, provided for us through the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus. And given to each one of us, I want you to hear this. There's not one believer within the sound of my voice today to whom what I'm about to say doesn't apply. If you don't believe that, I'm going to start calling you out one by one, name by name. How do you like that? Every one of us. In this passage, that grace that each one of us has received comes in the form of particular gifts. Jesus has gifted each and every one of us. No exceptions. Verse 8, when he ascended on high, that is, when he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. 
He led captives in his train. Christ took us with us. We were hanging on to his coattails when he was raised from the dead. He raised us up and gave gifts to his people. Those gifts are many and diverse. I want you to go back to uh, verses 4 to 6. I'm still having trouble with this remote. I know there's the angle. That's it right there. Read this with me, will you? There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But the very next verse begins with a conjunction, but. In verse 7, but to each of you, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Repeating something we said two weeks ago, unity does not mean uniformity. There's no one of you that are alike. No two of you that are alike this morning. No two of you that have been gifted, that have life experiences, that have perspectives exactly like another. Within the community of the church, there is a great diversity, both within each local church and in the church universal across this country and around this world. There's great diversity of ethnicities, of ages, of languages, of life experiences, and gifts. Last Sunday, I was uh, with my oldest daughter in uh, Westerville, Ohio, outside Columbus, and uh, we went to a church uh, where one of her best friends was just ordained a deacon, an Anglican church. It was a beautiful liturgical service, a lot different than the service that we're enjoying here, but beautiful. Quite a contingent of uh, folks from Kenya, the country, an elderly Chinese man playing violin and accompanying the hymns that they sang that morning, and responses and uh, kneeling and incense, actually, through the Easter season. It might have been a little strong on the incense because one of their parishioners had to leave. She was a bit overcome by it. I think it was too much for the space we were in. But a really beautiful service. And it reminded me of the diversity within the body of Christ. Heard a great message from a visiting bishop from the country of Kenya that day by the name of Emmanuel. His wife, Dorcas. Beautiful ministry there. Great gospel message. In each local church, we each bring something unique and valuable to the body of Christ. Paul lists some of those unique gifts in several of his letters in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 12. Some of us have the gift of wisdom, some of healing, others of speaking in tongues or languages. He has another list in Romans chapter 12. That's my Ephesians. There's Romans 12. Maybe your gift is serving, maybe it's uh, giving, maybe it's leading. And then we come to this list of gifts that we've read again in Ephesians 4. Note that none of those lists are the same. None of the lists are intended to be exhaustive, although 
this list in Ephesians 4 we call leadership or equipping gifts may be. Depending on the commentators you read, you'll get a variety of perspectives uh, on what each of these gifts or callings are about. I think what I'm about to share is safe territory, um, genuinely um, definitions of these roles that we could agree on. Christ, Paul says, gave some to be apostles. Apostles, it would appear, are those with a heart for and calling beyond a local congregation. The apostles in the uh, New Testament ended up as missionaries, spreading the gospel and planting churches beyond Jerusalem and Judea. They were leaders in Christ's church, capital C. Today, that may represent bishops, like that one from Kenya, or our own district superintendent, or people sitting right here in this uh, worship space this morning with a vision for ministries that would require multiple churches to be cooperating in in this community that we find ourselves living in. The Bible says Christ gave some to be prophets. We're probably most familiar with those Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos and all the rest. And we may think of them primarily as predictors of the future. But prophets had as much or more to say about the present. Prophets speak God's word. Thus saith the Lord. There are those sitting here this morning who speak prophetically, who exhort, who address the pressing issues of our day, who warn of the consequences of disregarding the word of God. Christ gave some to be evangelists, to spread the good news of Jesus. They have a passion for the lost. They want to see people saved. They burn for that. That was an amen from one of our evangelists. Christ gave some to be pastor teachers. I hyphenate that because in the Greek it seemed, seems those two Facets are one calling. Makes sense. My years of experience tell me that you cannot uh, divide, separate teaching from shepherding. Several notes about that list before we move on in this passage. We will all have times that we will teach. We're all commissioned to share the good news of the gospel. We're all called to give. But there will be some that are especially gifted. And in fact, there will be some, and some here this morning, that Christ has called not only to uh, see that played out in their own lives, but to lead and equip others to do the same. Note two, there are those that God calls, I believe, to give themselves full time uh, to these roles. That includes me. Growing up in the Church of the Nazarene, and back in the day, we'd have revival services. And during those revival services, we'd have a Nazarene evangelist that would come in and preach, and that's what they gave themselves full time to. There are those that God calls to that. Note three, though, I've grown increasingly confident that these gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 will be represented among others in any congregation, others that have day jobs. 
And of course, the other gifts and those other letters of the Apostle Paul are represented right here too. One final note, and this may be helpful to you. I think there are those that are called to give themselves full time to the church and who may have the title pastor, but may be gifted in other areas. My amener back there was a pastor for 24 years, Larry King, but I think he's an evangelist. I think that's true of Pastor Kelly, my wife. I thought of uh, Harry and Barbara Broxy. I wouldn't be surprised if they were apostles. They've had a ministry that uh, have extended beyond local congregations. I'm guessing Jim Christie is definitely a pastor teacher. I'm still trying to figure Tim Stearman out. He may not be on this list at all. We'll need to spend some more time with that at some point, but uh, I'm going to move forward. Regardless of how you sort all of that out, and here comes the first in a series of important why questions. Why has Christ given the church apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers? First part of verse 12 is the answer. To equip God's people for works of service. Now, I'm, I'm going to try to not complicate this because it's not complicated. Each and every one of us who are God's people, who are Christians, who somewhere back there decided to follow Christ, are meant to, are called to serve. Amen? Ooh, I got about... 15% amens on that one. Yeah, thank you. Who did that? Was that Lacey? Whoa, Lacey, coming out of there. That just came out. Good for you. Serving is part and parcel of being a follower of Jesus. We want to be like Jesus, right? I mean, isn't that the bottom line? Isn't that our goal? The Bible says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. And on that night before the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, just as you sent me into the world, so I'm sending them. On that same night, Jesus took his outer garment off, threw a towel over his arm, got a basin of water, and he washed disciples' feet. He served them. And he said, hey, if your teacher's doing this, he's doing it as an example. I want you to do the same. They say in most churches, 20% of God's people are doing 80% of the work of ministry. That doesn't sound biblical to me. In the charter of the Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C., quite a creative church organized around specific ministries. They have a coffee shop. They have a retreat center that was just around the corner from the church building we met in. They describe the responsibility for the work of the ministry in this way. On the ship of the church, there are no passengers. All are members of the crew to equip his people for works of service. 
Here in a few months, we'll begin to prayerfully search for your new lead pastor. Looking forward to that. And when they get here, their primary responsibility will be to equip you to serve. To equip you for the work of ministry. You don't hire them to do the work of ministry. They'll do their share. But they have been called by Christ himself to equip you to serve. Yes, they will shepherd God's flock that is under their care. Yes, they will feed Jesus' sheep. That's the Apostle Peter and Jesus himself. They may even make sure the building's locked every night before they go to bed. But their shepherding and their teaching and their care for you should equip you to participate in the work of ministry, for that is God's plan for his church. Why? Why has God planned it that way? Why is each one of you given gifts and equipped for the work of ministry? Second half of verse 12. So that the body of Christ may be built up. We are each uniquely gifted and do have unique perspectives, unique life experiences, abilities, and skills. We each contribute uniquely to his church. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, it's for the common good. Ran into this on Facebook. I thought thought this was good. Let's see if I can find it again. I'm going to have to come during the week and practice this. Ever seen this? If I'm going to go out and cut down a tree, I'm not going to get my razor blade. If I'm going to shave in the morning, I'm not going to grab my axe. Everyone is important according to their own unique purpose. And then there's the bonus line. Never look down on anyone unless you are admiring their shoes. I thought that was good. And Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 12. Don't let the hand say to the foot, I don't really need you. (laughs) Or the nose to the eye, I'm not as important as you, but, you know, oh well. We're each important. Pop back down to verse 16 in that fourth chapter. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. If any one of us is not serving, if if any one of us is not involved in the life and ministry of his church doing the work of ministry, then something is missing. Imagine only 20% of your body functioning as it was intended to. Paul goes on in verse 13, building up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we're back to unity, both a sign and a goal, I think, of being built up, Uh, specifically a unity in the faith and what we believe and who we trust in and in the a knowledge of the Son of God, inner knowledge of Jesus, not just head knowledge, but a, a heart knowledge. And another sign and another goal is being of being built up is maturity. Becoming mature. Verse 15, growing up into Christ. 
Oh, our grandbaby's back. Our two girls are also pictured there. Uh, Emmy's mom, Abby, our youngest, and then our oldest, Rebecca. When they were growing up, Kelly and I made a lot of decisions for them. But as they matured, they developed the ability to make good decisions for themselves. And I'm grateful today at the age of 30 and almost 33, they're doing a good job of that. They've grown up. Just had to slip one of those pictures in there on you, right? One, one summer back home, we ran a men's camp for uh, young men at risk. We had some significant ministries that literally touched hundreds of young men in our community who uh, didn't have a dad in the picture or any godly man, uh, any godly influence from another guy in their lives. And through Open Gym Basketball and a nonprofit firewood business and, and other ministries, we had connections with them. And one summer we ran a men's camp. What does it mean to be a man? And I tell you what, we can have all kinds of screwed up ideas about what it means to be a man. And the working definition of what it means to be a man that we worked with in that men's camp that summer was, you know you've become a man when you are willing and able to take responsibility for yourself and for others. That's a good definition of maturity. The Anglican bishop from Kenya said this of churches in his diocese. Some people grow up in church, but never grow in Christ. They know hymns, but they don't know him. We're talking about the unity and maturity of the body of Christ. I'm winding down here. Christ gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers to equip God's people for works of ministry. We serve one another in love. We make every effort to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. To reach unity in the faith. To become mature. To build up the body of Christ. Why? Two answers. One from this passage and one we'll find elsewhere in this letter and throughout the New Testament. Here's first answer. So that each of us individually and all of us collectively will not be thrown off by what happens in the world or molded by the values of the world. Verse 14, we need unity and maturity so that we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people, people and their deceitful scheming. If we're spiritually immature or divided as a church, we will be influenced by the world rather than influencing the world. Rather than being salt and light, we're going to be Plato. That's what we're going to be. We're going to be Plato when God wants us to be salt. What he wants us to preserve all that's good in the world. What he wants us to be a light. A light that shows the way to the God that loves us so much. 
I'll get a little louder here at the end of this message today because this fires me up. we got to know how important we are in this world. We shouldn't be putting out fires in the church. We should be saving people from the fires of hell. Sorry, guys. This is 35 years of pastoral ministry and the frustrations once in a while to come with. But I love the church. I love you guys. Okay. When you read verse 14 and the cunning craftiness and the deceitful scheming, you may think of the Antichrist or blatant evil or the kind of deception that makes us literally drink the Kool-Aid, and you'd have to be fairly old to recognize that uh, reference. But I think the greatest hindrances to the church are more subtle, really. We are not tossed so much as just the drift. Our grip on the rudder of our lives has so loosened that we've fallen asleep and find ourselves out to sea. So many have been influenced by our culture by all the commercials and all the pitches and all the messages and all the movies. And I like a good movie once in a while, you know, all the rest. I'm not, but we've become consumers. We show up for what we can get. And we're not giving like the one we follow gave. We're materialistic. Hey, I'm all for a nice home and and stuff, but it's all his ultimately. And I can own a few things, but when I allow it to own me, oh my goodness, I've gotten off track. You know, stuff doesn't last. I've been with a lot of people in their last moments as they've passed from this life to the next. I've never had one of them talk about their stuff. I've had them talk about regrets in relationships. I've had them talk about the people they loved and how they're going to miss them. The myriad distractions that can diminish our passion and the power with which we might live in Christ. Those are the things we need to pay attention to. And if I'm preaching to the choir this morning, and I may be, uh, you're always uh, encouraged to take the message. It was a good reminder for you and, and winsomely and lovingly share it with those that perhaps you're praying for in your families and among your circles of friends. Why do we need the body of Christ to be built up and strong? Because we need each other. We need the strength, the support, the reminders of what's true, the encouragement we gain from a strong body of Christ. I tell you what, I'm a piece of work still yet, work in progress. I know that. 
But whatever measure of goodness I have in my life, I owe Jesus and his church. I owe a lifetime of gathering like this where I can worship and pray and hear God's word with you. I owe it to people like Shirley Faircloth and Bobby DeLong and Hilton Gillespie and all those men and women through the course of my life who reminded me of of God's truth, who encouraged me in my walk, who served alongside me, who came and, and prayed with me when I came forward to pray. We need a strong body of Christ because we need each other. Why do we need the body of Christ to be built up? Last answer, and here's where I'll wind down. Because we have a purpose and a mission to accomplish in this world. And a weak body, a diseased body, a spiritually immature body, a divided body isn't going to accomplish its mission and purpose. God wants to save the world. God wants to set things right again. God wants there to be peace and safety for our kids and wholeness and goodness in this world and in this country and in our homes. And that's why we each do our part. That's why we serve one another in love. That's why we call pastors to equip us. That's why we engage in the work of ministry and make it a priority. That's why we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So that the body of Christ is up for the task it's being called to. Amen? We prayed Wednesday night as we've prayed this morning for the families of those in Uvalde, Texas. We prayed for first responders who walked into that classroom. Could you imagine the images seared in your memory uh, for the rest of your life? Can I just share something Jim Christie said in Friday Bible study that really helped me? And it's tough to imagine the horrors in those moments. But I believe, Jim, what you said is right. We don't see everything. And we've got a God of love and a God of mercy and a God of comfort that I have to believe along with Jim that comes into those situations and helps and comforts and guards in ways we can't even imagine. Are you with me? That's a good word, Jim. I believe that's true. But Wednesday night, we also prayed for the churches in Uvalde, Texas, who, along with churches in other times and in other places in the wake of tragedy, have the opportunity to be the body of Christ in that community. And that is, in fact, what we're called to. There are people whose lives have been changed through the years, through your life and ministry. Both collectively and individually, we need to be strong in our faith, growing in our intimate experiential knowledge of God, because the world needs the body of Christ to be strong. Because the world 
needs Jesus. And how does Jesus come to the world now? For a time, he lived for a while among us, went from village to village, town to town. He touched lives. He healed. He preached. He taught. He took time for kids. But he's not here now except through you and through me. It's his church, his body, his feet that should run to trouble, his hands that should reach out in compassion, his eyes that should see the needy, the lonely, his voice that should proclaim good news. There's the message. Application. Gather. Build relationships. Give. Serve. Love. Christ did not call us to kick back in lounge chairs on the deck of the good old gospel ship until we reach the shores of heaven. In the next few months, you may be asked to serve. Say yes. There's the application. Say yes. And we don't arm twist. We don't put warm bodies in uh, empty spaces. We want you to serve where you're gifted and where you can serve with joy. We want you to keep life in balance. Kelly and I are only with you for a few more months, but we've got 35 years of history of making sure people are in balance in their life. We're not one to burn people out. We're not one to put you where you don't feel like God has given you the gifts and graces to serve. But I tell you what, we're called to serve, my friends. And let me... And by saying this, thanks to those who are. Thanks to those who have. Thanks to those who have devoted their lives to serving. Thanks to those who are devoted to our Lord Jesus and to his church. To the Lord Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen. Before we close our service today, we're going to receive uh, communion. Let's allow this time to be a time when God the Holy Spirit applies His Word to our hearts, encourages and challenges. Amen. This is a uh, fifth Sunday. That happens four times a year, and we have our kids in service uh, with us today. These are beautiful girls back there. I think it's all girls. So we wanted to do an additional time of communion so families could share that uh, together. We'll serve communion again next week and look forward to that. I wanted to ask uh, Brother Jim and Brother Larry to come and uh, they'll be serving you in just a few moments. I'll invite you forward to this table to receive that, uh, that cup and bread and you'll take that back to your seats and hold that until all have been served and then we'll eat and drink together. Father, we come humbly to this table, knowing that all we are is by your grace. Father, if there's any way we've fallen short of your good and pleasing and perfect will for us that we haven't yet confessed, we confess it to you now. Claiming your promise that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and forgive us our sins. And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We come humbly to your table, but we come boldly. 
but we're your children by your grace. I pray, God, after a message that perhaps has been challenging, I pray that you would pour out your grace on your people here today and remind each and every one how much you love them. Help us to experience that love together. In Jesus' name, amen. Just beginning at the front, and uh, as you move back, just come forward, would you, and receive these elements. Take those back to your seat and hold them until all have been served. drink together, could I just say that Kelly and I see a lot of beauty in this church. May that just grow. Amen. In the days ahead. From Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the 11th chapter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together with thanksgiving. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together and be thankful. 
For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Praise be to his name. Thanks be to God. I invite our worship team to come back, and uh, they have a beautiful song to sing and lead us in. And Kelly's going to come and end our service today. Thanks so much for being here, hearing his word, and uh, worshiping God together. Lord is good. Let's stand together.
equips us. God calls us, and he equips us. We don't know. We don't always know what he's going to call us to do. We don't know who he's going to call us to reach out to. But the Holy Spirit will enable us to do what he calls us to do. So I encourage you, before you even know what it is, say yes to God. I have never regretted saying yes to God because the places that he has called me to serve the beautiful people he has called me to minister to it's always wonderful it's always good and he always enables me to do what he has called me to do and he's going to do the same for you let's pray together Father we thank you for filling this place with your spirit we thank you for filling our hearts with your spirit that empowers us to serve you, a living God that is on mission in our world. Father, I pray for each one that is gathered here today. I pray, Father, that they will say yes to you, that they will allow your spirit to use them, to flow through them, to be Christ to those who are lost and in need of you. Father, every door that is open to us today, may we walk through it with a boldness that only you can give us and enable us, Lord, to make a difference in our world. Father, we thank you and we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace and serve him this week. <laughs>